At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We live in a culture filled with promises for a better life, deeper satisfaction, and greater purpose, but how do we know which is right? We invite you to join us for Smoke and Mirrors, deciphering truth in a world of truths, where we'll look to scripture to expose the illusions of our culture, and together, hold fast to a better answer, God's. So yes, my name is Evan Whitaker, I'm the family pastor, um, and so I get to the joy and honor to, to be bringing you the message this morning, and, and today is a very special day, as, as Kristen shared, it's, it's our family worship service Sunday, um, and it's so cool to be able to, to see our whole entire church family uh, worshiping together, um, from our kindergartners through our fifth grade to our middle school, high school students, to adults and grandparents and uncles and, and anyone in here. And kids, I'm glad to see you. Uh, I know you see me back there, especially if you're in Club 45, you see me each week uh, during, well, during the 11 o'clock service, but I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're able to, to be with us this morning because when I was your age, I used to call this big church. Anyone else called it big church? <laughs> but I love the fact that like we get to gather together on these fifth Sundays. And, and kids, you're so welcome here. We're so glad that you're here. And hopefully you can see what it means to live in community with other people. And adults, I love these Sundays because we can show them what it means to be in community together. And so I hope that uh, the love, I love what I do because I get to work with this next generation. And, and I believe that this generation is going to have a huge impact on our world, specifically for, for Christ. And so I hope to see that that kind of impact in these kids' lives, in these students' lives, that they will, that we'll be able to see what God does in their, through their lives now and also in the future. Let me ask you this question. How many of you love birthdays? Anyone love birthdays? Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, I love birthdays. I, when I was a kid and into my teenager years, I loved looking forward to my birthday. I would tell anyone that would listen to me, probably really annoyingly, that my birthday was coming up. I think part of that was because I was hoping that they would like remember and get me a gift somehow. <laughs> uh, but I would look so forward to my birthday. I would look so forward that I would have a countdown like months in advance. And I would do this. And we get excited. But I think over time, the excitement for birthdays kind of diminishes. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, as a kid, you, you look forward to that fifth, fifth five-year-old birthday. And in that five-year-old birthday, you're like, oh, I can't wait for my double-digit birthday. And then 13 comes along, because now you're technically a teenager. And then 16 comes along, and you get a license and be able to drive and maybe a little bit more freedom. And then 18, and then 21, and then 30. And then there was something in my life that I was like, after my 30th birthday, I was like, I'm not as excited anymore. <laughs> I'm not as excited for this day. 
Granted, don't get me wrong, I love my birthdays. I love getting the, the birthday wishes all the time, but it was that excitement that was, that was kind of gone. It turned into a day that I was looking forward to, to a day that just would come, and then it would go, just like any other day. And as we get older, I think that's the same thing, is birthdays are just a reminder that we're getting older. That our years are, are getting closer and closer to the end. And while that, I mean, that's going to be kind of a, a hard thing to think, or I'm not going to be all gloomy and all this, but when I think we're younger, we, we get so excited, but then, because we have all these things ahead of us, but then as we grow older, we realize that life becomes shorter and shorter. Our bodies start to, to wear down, right? And so just another year comes and goes, which means that our lives are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And so I think that what once was the, the excitement that I would feel as a birthday, it became not as exciting. Because I think the question that we come to ask ourselves when we get older is, well, what's the meaning of life? Is there a purpose for another year of my life? Or do I just go about my life as I always do? I get up, go to work, come home, spend time with my family, pay bills, do taxes, do all these things, and it's just a constant repetitive cycle in our lives, and it's like, well, where is the purpose? What's the greater purpose and meaning in my life? You know, and I think after what is now almost two, two years, I think, honestly, I believe this question is probably being asked more than it has in the past. Because we see and we're, we're seeing really the, the brokenness of the world around us. The world is not as it should be. The world is not as God created it in the garden. Because God created it with perfection and perfect community with God. And that our satisfaction was in him. But now the world we live in is broken. And it's sinful. And our souls, and within our souls, we're crying out for that perfect world where life is as it's meant to be. And this is what Ecclesiastes is all about. The desire to find meaning in life in a broken world. And so this morning, I get to, to conclude this series. We're going to jump uh, all the way to the end, to chapter 12. So if you have your Bible or electronic device, turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. So we've been looking at this series called Smoke and Mirrors. In the last five weeks, we've seen the author, the preacher in this passage, in this book, look for meaning in all different ways. He tried to find fulfillment he hoped that he could have a lasting mark on the world, but only to learn that God is the only true creator. He then hoped he could find joy and power in gaining all of this knowledge and understanding, but found out that knowledge did not satisfy. 
But then he hoped to find satisfaction in doing his own thing, indulging in the desires that he had. But that satisfaction did not last. Maybe, maybe his accomplishments, maybe he could work up the ladder to gain more and more knowledge or more and more accomplishments, get recognized more and more. Maybe that will find life. But he found that accomplishments were not forever. They're not meant to be eternal. And then last week we saw that he pursued to accumulate enough stuff to satisfy his soul. But although he was rich, he never brought, although he was rich and he had all this stuff, it didn't really bring him the complete satisfaction that he desired. And he comes to find at the end in chapter 12, he comes to this end where he has come and he's pursued all of these things, hoping that they would bring satisfaction, but only he was just chasing after the wind, chasing after something that you could never catch. And it leads to this final question that we're going to look at today. Is there any meaning to this life? So let's read Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and seek God's wisdom for this question. And it says this, Remember also the Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return from after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the streets are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and the desires fails, because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust remains to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. Did you notice the word before? He repeats it a couple times in this passage, but he's, he's realizing that something has to happen before all of this. You know, and I learned, one thing I learned growing up is when something is repeated, specifically when my parents have to repeat it, it's pretty important, Right? <laughs> And so he says before, and he's going back to what are we doing before? What is it before that we have to do? And he goes back to the importance of remembering God. The importance, he says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. And so he's saying before all of this stuff, before all of this ends, we need to spend the time to remember God. 
The first section emphasizes the present. He calls us to enjoy our God while it's still possible. He uses it to portray this understanding that we have this limited time on this earth. And as each birthday passes, we get closer and closer to death. And then the second section is actually what happens when it is too late, when the light begins to dim and is gone. And so this command at the very beginning of chapter 12, it says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. It's the entire conclusion of Ecclesiastes. And this conclusion is pretty dark and grim, right? He's saying all of this is vain. All of this is coming to an end. Your life is but a vapor that, that you're going to live and then you're going to die. It's no matter how much stuff you have, what status that you've acquired, you're going to die. So what's the point? And it's through this metaphorical and poetic language that the author paints this approaching end. He uses this image of, of lights growing dim, about rain coming and clouds remain, and this dark season approaches. I don't know about you, but when it's cloudy and it's rainy outside, it, it really does change my mood. It, doesn't, it makes me not want to do anything. It makes me want to go and go to bed, curl up in bed. It, it just affects the way my outlook is when I look outside and it's dark and it's gloomy and it's rainy and I just feel blah. This is the imagery that the, the preacher is, is trying to get us to see, is that life will eventually come to the end, and death is irreversible. He then goes into what it looks like in the household, right? Those that were meant to protect it now are fearful. They are bent over in weakness, and women have given up their work. The house is shut, and outside that used to be this lively place where people would walk up and down the streets is now like a ghost town. This is a, a, a grim place to live, and again, it's going back to this idea that the end is coming, that this is what is coming and after all of that, he then comes to his conclusion in verse 8. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. When, that guy would be very uh, good to invite to a party, <laughs> right? He's like, vanity, vanities, everything is meaningless. Everything is useless. You're going to die, so, so what's the point of living? What's the point of gaining all of this stuff? Is there any meaning to life? But he's overshadowing, he's, he's showing that all joy that he had in life is now being overshadowed by the reality that life will come to an end. 
And as the longer we live, the more and more that reality becomes closer and closer to us. And so this age of opportunity for joy passes when we wait until the last minute to remember the creator. And this is what he's saying at the very, says he's remembering the creator in the days of your youth. Use your time wisely to remember who God is. When something is impending that isn't always easy, it's hard to have joy. Have you ever went, uh, if, when, if you ever had a big test uh, one day, right? You had a, maybe it was in college, maybe it was in high school, you had this big test, but then there was a party with your friends. You knew this test was coming, or maybe it was a, a uh, important um, ominous meeting with your boss. You don't really know what he's going to say, what he's going to say, but it's the next day. And so you, but you are wanting to go and hang out with your friends. You're wanting to get, uh, go to dinner with friends. And so you go to dinner and you're trying your hardest. You're trying your hardest to find joy in this situation. You're trying to enjoy your time with your friends and, and make, and make jokes and laugh. But the fear of the next day is hindering that. Realizing that you have this test that you're going to have to take or you're going to have to have this meeting. So you have that in the back of your mind saying, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to be in trouble or, or I don't know what I'm going to do about this test or this meeting. So I can't have joy in the moment. This is what he's saying, that when, as life goes on, the time for joy becomes decreasing. So what do we do in the face of this meaningless attempt to find joy? We go back to the beginning of the chapter. What he's trying to tell us and what he's trying to tell the people that he's writing to is that we can find joy in God today. Our, create, our God created us to enjoy him. Kids, this passage is specifically for you. He says youth, and I have these gospel icons up here, right? And so what I want you to look and see is that God has created us to worship him. God has initially created us to worship him and enjoy him forever. That is what we're made to do. That is when we're the happiest, is when we're following God, when we're enjoying him, when we're bringing him glory. It's just like when you have a dog, right? And the dog is happiest when it's chasing a squirrel, right? <laughs> Or maybe you have a cat, and your cat is the happiest when it's lounging in the sun. The same way for us is that we are the happiest when we are finding joy in our creator. But then what happened over here, kids? What, is, what does this mean? This one right here. We sinned, right? We sin, And because we sin, we choose to do Everything outside of what God calls us to do, choose to do our own ways, our relationship with God was broken. 
was once a perfect relationship with God and we were happiest, now that relationship is broken and we cannot be the happiest. But then God didn't want us to continue to live in that way, to continue to live in the brokenness. So God provided Jesus. God provided Jesus, and then Jesus gives us the ability to be in a relationship with God because he died on the cross for us. He took the punishment of our sin so that we can then be in a relationship with him. He he came to connect us back to God who will make us the happiest. He can show us how great God is And how great God loves us. But the thing is, is that we need to respond, right? We need to respond to this incredible gift that Jesus gives us. We respond by trusting in Jesus' death to pay for the consequences of our sin. We respond by choosing to live to follow Jesus. We respond by thanking God every day for loving us. And when we remember what Jesus did for us, that we deserve to die, but Jesus died in our place, it brings us back to the, happy, the happiness we were meant to have. Life finds purpose again because God is life. God is life. This is the purpose. This is the answer to the question of, is there any meaning to this life? God is life. This is the bottom line for, this, for today. We have the ability to experience this life, a life full of joy, not one of dread or meaningless. Because of Jesus, we have this joy. And we have this hope We have to have the hope to experience that that life of joy forevermore. Because he closes out this book by also showing us that God will bring everything under his judgment. God will bring everything under his judgment. So we see this hope is found in these last verses, starting in verse nine. It says, besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads, and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these, or making my books, there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So this book ends with speaking about the fact that the diligence of the preacher who who has compiled this book, has compiled this knowledge, and he was, uh, it wasn't, his action was based on, not on studying and analyzing, but on the knowledge gained from his own personal experience. 
He's writing this book because he's saying, these are the things that I've done. These are the things that I've tried. And nothing has been found meaningful. He sums up this entire message of Ecclesiastes with fear God and keep his commandments. That is the meaning of life. Not the search for endless knowledge, not the accomplishments or the wards, not the overabundance of stuff, not living for every human desire, but fearing God and keeping his commands. Like he said earlier, God has created us for worship. He created us to worship him and enjoy him forever. And he is a good and loving God. He gives us grace upon grace every single day. He is the only thing that will ever satisfy. True satisfaction lies in him and everything else is just vanity. So we were made to fear God and his commandments. And this is so important because our conduct, our conduct, the way we live is determined by what we worship. The way we live is, is determined by what we worship. And, and we see this in our daily lives. Think about, the time, think about what you spend your, your time doing. Think about the, the, what you spend your money on. What you love most is what you worship. And what you worship conducts, dictates what you do. For instance, if you love sports... Right? If you love sports, so you spend your, your time watching games, you spend your time wa- uh, even checking stats, maybe even playing fantasy football and playing in fantasy football. You spend your money, right? You spend your money on buying jerseys and sporting events and gear for your favorite team. You schedule your life around games. What you love dictates how you live. So when you fear God, when you understand who he is as our creator and our savior, when you understand this immense love that God has for you and that he gives you mercy and forgiveness and grace, then that leads to obedience. It's not the other way around. You can't just... You can't just say, you know what, I'm going to just read my Bible, I'm going to pray often, and then maybe my desire for God is going to be there. Maybe I will worship God if I do all these things. No, it's it's the other way. You have to worship God. You have to have a heart for worshiping God before your life comes into, into order. We can only find true fulfillment when we live as we are meant to live. And if your own joy and your own fulfillment isn't motivation enough, the truth of, this, of these last two verses say it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you find your satisfaction is because God will bring everything under his judgment. This means that in the end, God will ultimately win forever. You may be living in the pleasures of this world. You may be gaining accomplishments and possessions and and purposing your own desires and in turn wandering from God. 
those things are not the end. Eventually, those things will pass away. They will rot. They have expiration dates. They're not, they're not going to be desirable or pleasurable anymore. They all have expiration dates. And you have to give an account. You will have to give an account of your life before God. What will you have in that day when all the stuff you found joy in outside of God is gone? You will only be left with sorrow and not joy. In your life, you can choose to find fulfillment and joy and purpose in your life by following God. Or you can choose to seek joy in what you can get today. But I want us to heed the preacher's warning here. What you have today will not last forever. So as we close, with, with the time that you have left, with the reality that another birthday is going to come and it's going to go, with the reality of knowing that we cannot know how much time we have left, what are you choosing to find joy in? What are you choosing to find fulfillment in? As each birthday passes, are you making every moment count? Are you grasping at things that bring only temporary joy, or are you investing it in the ultimate joy that fearing God and keeping his commandments provide? Because your time and your talent and your treasure, the things that God has given you, they are all assets. But even in those things, those assets have an expiration date. The reality is that beyond that expiration date, there is an eternity in God. And we can try and spend those resources on our present joy, on ourselves. But there is an eternal joy that's found in God. Let's live in that joy. So what does it mean to live in that joy? It means living in that eternal joy means thanking God for his generosity. It means thanking God for his generosity in Jesus. Jesus died on the cross so that we can be judged as righteous. No matter what we've done, as long as we accept the payment, his payment for our sin. Living into that internal joy also means that doing things that God values. Acts of compassion and love for the things God values, the people he created. Using your time and talent and treasures to bring others into this glorious joy. What are you doing with your time and your talents and your treasure that you have, even for a little while? Are you using to invest in people? Are you using it to invest in the next generation? Are you using those things instead of pleasures for yourselves, joy that you only find and only temporary joy, are you using them to show them the love of Jesus, to help them to grow into disciples of Jesus that will change this world? People need you to invest in them. Kids need you. Students need you. Your neighbor down the street needs you to invest, 
to use the things that God has given you before it's too late. So instead of storing up treasures for yourself, for joy today that will only expire, use them to bring eternal joy and bring many more into the kingdom of God. So in living in this way, we break through the meaninglessness of this world and into eternal joy that awaits for you. Will you seize it today? Will you seize that eternal joy that is only found in God? Or will you continually grasp at the wind, trying to find your next thing to find joy in when true joy is only found in God? Let's pray. Journey Father, I thank you for this time that we have just to open your word. God, I pray that you just speak to our hearts. That you speak to our hearts to show us the ways that we have found joy in the things that are not of you. God, I pray that you help us to find our ultimate satisfaction in you and not in the things of this world, that we use our time here on this earth to bring others into the knowledge of you. God, I pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.